Welcome back to another episode of The 10th Muse. I'm Helena. And I'm Siobhan. And this is the podcast where we talk about a unique collection of women through history that have done pretty amazing things. Yep, that's right. So from artists to activists, scientists to singers, these are not the women you already know. Instead, they're women that we think deserve more recognition and we hope that you enjoy hearing about them as much as we do. Yeah, it might be crap sound quality, but the content quality is going to be great. <laughs> you want, are you ready to see my outfit? Is it your ready? outfit? My new present from Alicia. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, my God, I do love that. Whoa. Oh, that is so cool. If we decide to put this in the podcast, listeners, Siobhan is wearing a bright pink Lucian Yak dungarees with red, like, outlined faces on it, and it's amazing. It's very 10th Muse. These are now oh my, my God, new so podcasting dungarees. I like it. I am going to, well, you've seen this one, but I am wearing my super cool new t-shirt, which has a skeleton riding a surfboard on it. Mm-hmm. Because... It's a good one. Um, it's a great t-shirt. I love it. I'm also oh, in my bed. <laughs> Well, I've had to relocate from my bedroom, which was where I was going to record, but the internet doesn't want to work up there. So I'm in the living room now, but it just, yeah, and nothing's I working. How, I don't know how well our internet's going to work, but it seems to be okay for now. Mm, we'll see. I've got an audience in the room because Alicia's over in the corner. Is she? Hi, Alicia. <laughs> Helena says hi. Hi, She's trying to order a food shop because we're isolating currently. Yeah. How is um, everyone? Yeah, no, we are okay. Three of the four of us have it, I think. Really? Yeah, me, Alicia. Alicia tested positive. I've tested positive. And then Kerry is just so sick now. She's like really well, ill. I saw something. I don't know where I saw it. I can't remember where I see anything these days. It's all in the <laughs> ether of like some news site, some Facebook or like, I don't know, somewhere. I saw something saying the new variant apparently causes a lot of false positives and false negatives yeah so yeah Kerry, yeah well yeah she's so ill like she's she there's no way she hasn't got it either i think if she took a test today it would be positive but when we did it the other day i wasn't feeling good but she was feeling fine and that's so why i think like yeah I yeah think she's got yeah. it now because she's so ill like literally so yes. yeah it's great and we got it because schools have been kept open so that's good <laughs> ridiculous from the one person in the house who's still working in the school that's what we got it from so yeah i hope you guys are okay all right okay Do you like my mug um, i love your mug have i shown you this you haven't it's got an h on yeah. it i really like it my sister got it for it. me yeah it's really nice i'm drinking a horrible coffee from my canada mug why is it horrible it's just rank it's like instant coffee but it's not it does not taste nice um, have i told you about um you know when dad came to pick me up and he didn't want a coffee from your fancy coffee machine have i told you about yeah. why no well so dad this is really funny and i was so right because dad's really weird with coffee right like, so basically he likes a cup but he he, he only likes it half full and then right. has another has like tops up with milk he's really really weird and like picky about it and I knew, I knew when they went and I was like, oh, dad, you want a coffee? I've um, got the cool coffee machine. He was like, no, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. 
because <laughs> he doesn't like fancy coffee. He just likes this crap. He likes very particular the way he has it. And he just, he wouldn't have been able to handle a, a nice coffee. He wouldn't want it like, he wants a shit instant coffee with topped up with milk. Yeah, he wanted it. That's great. He has to have it half full. <laughs> half full. I know. <laughs> and then with our like espresso machine, like, oh, let's just uh, like double shot mocha <laughs> and a cappuccino. I know, I know. And he's like, I want my half, my half and half. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> okay, shall we get crack in? Yeah, well, I feel like we need to probably say we, we don't live with each other anymore. Oh, yeah. So, or maybe we should start with like, you're listening to the 10th Muse for a start. Hi, this is the 10th Muse. Welcome podcast. back. It's been a while. Welcome back um, after about six months. <laughs> we started it off so well, and then it just, you know, pandemic hit. So, it's not, it's not gone well. Um, and when you last heard from us, we just moved in with each other, and now we don't live with each other anymore. Contrary to popular belief, we we don't hate each other. We we are still <laughs> friends. Uh, uh, yeah. Basically, what happened is, obviously, the pandemic was really hard. We just graduated in September, and obviously, mm-hmm. we're looking for jobs, and there were no jobs. Um, and then you know, tier three happened, and they were reducing hours. So basically, I couldn't afford to live there anymore, which is really really sad because I loved it there. But I moved back up home. Um, I'm now back up in uh, Northumberland with my family, which is kind of what I decided to do for my mental health anyway. Um, and I feel great, which is good. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I feel really positive right now. I love being at home in the countryside with my dogs. We went for, you know, a walk yesterday on the beach at dusk and it was just the most beautiful light. <laughs> so and there was a, a big, like yellow and like pink sunset and the the light was all this kind of bluey purple it was amazing i love home um i'm glad i um, i miss i miss the guys but yeah that's why <laughs> yeah. um no, we, we we haven't contrary to popular we haven't fallen out or yeah pandemic. we don't hate no, each it other hasn't um died under mysterious circumstances yeah yeah if any if anyone from work is listening i just disappeared under mysterious circumstances <laughs> she's just gone <laughs> we, we buried her in the garden that's um, the line we're saying now yeah but no, yeah, so now we don't live together, but it's fine. We've got, we've got a new housemate, Kerry's moved in, and yeah, we're all isolating currently. And yeah, that's another bonus. I missed out on coronavirus. <laughs> oh, another isolation. We already had to isolate. I feel like we need to catch up people with everything. We had to isolate in like October, November. I had to isolate once fully. Alicia had to isolate like three times. She's twice. isolated now, yeah, three times or... How many times have you isolated? Four times. She's, oh she's doing God. four times with a sad face across the room from me. Four <laughs> times. Um, we all had to isolate in like October or November. And so we spent the time watching like The Haunting of Bly Manor, Gogglebox. Oh yeah, that was great. So many films. We slobbed about for a week. The living room was disgusting. We had I crocheted a top. Helena crocheted a top. I did a lot of sewing. We were like we were living our best life in that isolation but then by the end of it I was very glad to get out of it it was the best um, times it was the worst of times <laughs> and I'm not happy to be back in it um and yeah I mean it's snowing here right now so at least that's quite nice but it's not settling or anything like that it's kind of caught in between snow and rain and we can't really go out anyway obviously <laughs> we can bench the back garden <laughs> that's it I know um, 
so yeah I'm not happy to be back in isolation but at least at least I've got good company I just couldn't yeah. imagine having to isolate on my own that would be I like, and you're still getting yeah. furloughed so yeah that's, that's good mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I came back up and uh, I spent all of November just relaxing and um, I was on furlough then went for walks every day and then in December um, I went back to my job at um, Janet Gardens which is like a big open garden and I was an elf for Santa. Uh, and did was, you get any nice Christmas presents? Were you good for Santa so you were allowed? I was presents? very good for Santa. I've had absolutely lovely Christmas presents. Um, good. Trying to think what I had. This mug that I've just shown you uh, was a Christmas present. That was from my sister, not from Santa. Um, and I got a big puffy uh, duvet coat which uh, Santa said she wanted to give me the week before because as an elf we were stood outside all day and it was absolutely freezing uh what else did I get I got lots of lovely things I've had a lovely Christmas um yeah yeah so what are your kind of do you have anything you've been reading watching listening to at all you've been loving in isolation in the last few months yeah um I made such a massive list. I was, I was thinking about this, like what have I read and watched and stuff. I read the one book from last year that I just tell everyone to read was I read Girl, Woman, Other mm. um, uh, by Bernadine Everisto, which is it, so good. It's so good. I didn't, wasn't sure at first. It's very like, yeah. there's not really a plot to it. Um, I thought you just sort of read, you basically every chapter is from like a different person's perspective. And then there isn't much of a plot as in like not it's not like a linear thing it's just them telling you about their lives but then it ties together in the end so beautifully it's so well done when I finished it I was like oh my god that was so good and I was really, really? glad that I'd read it um so that's the book I keep recommending to people I'll have and to then, get on that yeah and then I've been reading like a, a sort of queer history of the UK as well which is called United Queerdom from the legends of the gay liberation front to the queers of tomorrow that's by Dan Glass and he I met him when I did my major project for uni which we also finished in the time we've not recorded this podcast <laughs> I know all this stuff. Um, Mental. so I did my major project like radio series on like um pride in 2020 and what it looked like and so I met him through doing that and I went to his book reading for this and it's it's so good and it's it reads really easily and he's a really likable guy and like really worth reading up on because he's like this incredible activist so uh, they were my two top books I guess from 2020 that would be my recommendations what cool. about you have you read anything cool um yeah well I was um kind of inspired by watching the tv series of his dark materials so I've mm-hmm. been rereading the books again because I read them when I was young and like obviously didn't take any of it in because I'm re- rereading it now. And it's like amazing. It's like I'm reading it all for the first time. There's so many little details and like the way Pullman like writes all the different characters and the way he animates the, the demons. Oh my God, it's amazing. Um, so I'm on the second one now. Um, yeah. How many are there? I never read those when I was a kid. Three of the main ones, but there's right. like other ones as well. So there's like... um. I think there's like a prologue or like a, a book bef- kind of set before this and then I think there's also a book after this and then there's these other ones that uh, my friend suggested I read um, mm-hmm. which I was like right well I've got to read all of his dark materials first before I get into all of those ones <laughs> right so I have a lot kind of in the pipelines um, 
I also want to read the Bridgerton novels. <laughs> oh, God, of course you do. They're heavy, ultimate sake. Regency trash. Oh, that's going to be your TV recommendation. That then. does go oh. into my, yes, that does go into my, um, well, actually, it wasn't in my watching. It mm-hmm. is in my listening. Um, but yeah, Bridgerton's amazing. Um, I was, I love, I love historical stuff. It's great. Um, does it actually, even work as historical? I don't watch it, so I can't. Yeah, yeah. So um, okay. it it does. I mean, obviously, it's more like a, a romance, but yeah. you know, it's historical. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> it's a Shonda um, Rhimes historical version. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all about. I I think um, obviously, colorblind casting has kind of thrown yeah. people off because. I know some people that have watched it and said, oh, it's like set in like a made up time and like there's a, a, a made up queen. It's not a made up queen. It's not a made up timeline. It's George yeah. English, England, because it's um, King George III and Queen right. Charlotte. Uh, well, it's just the, the casting yeah. is throwing people off. Yeah, yeah I think because people are getting confused because um, I can't remember the actress's name, but the actress who plays uh, Queen Charlotte isn't white. Um, right. I think people are like, oh my god, it must be made up then. But it's not. It is <laughs> King George III and Queen Charlotte, right. and it is like early um, 19th century. It's really interesting. Um, the costumes are so rich and beautiful. I said I wasn't going to talk about Bridgerton <laughs> as part of my, my watching bit, but now I am. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so rich. Um, it's great. Um, but yeah, my watching, mm. um, I showed my mum and my sister the Legally Blonde film. For the first oh, time, brilliant! Yeah, revolutionary for them. I really want to go in and watch the um, the musical with them because um, we watched that like three times. Did we watch house. that? Was that in lockdown or was no? Joe was back. Definitely we in... seen it twice with Alicia. Yes, we watched it um, like time as a house well. before we played Drunken. We played True American one. Oh night. my god! Yeah, um, that was that was when we watched. It was a Bond fun musical. night. That was, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. That was a crazy night. So this is the thing, like, we, so the other day it was Alicia's birthday. So anyone who listening who doesn't know, that's my girlfriend. It was her birthday the other day. And so we did, like, we got really drunk as well at the house. We had, like, we did a whole thing where we went clubbing around the house. It was like a pub crawl. And I think about it and I'm like, we've literally got so drunk and done all this mad stuff, but we're, we've not left the house. Like, I know. <laughs> it sounds I'm, like we were very jealous. I wish celebrated. I, I know. We wished you were there. It was. It was weird not having you there, actually. We had quite a few drunken nights. But, <laughs> yeah. No. That was. Yeah. We watched the musical. Anyway, I didn't mean to throw you off, but we watched the musical yeah, before okay. we played that. Yeah. Um, the musical is iconic. I genuinely think it's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was trying to explain it to my my family, and I was like, "You don't understand how amazing it is." I was like, "You know, it's obviously." It's very linked to the film. I don't know if it came before the film or after or what, but um, you know, I think there's after. like great songs about is he gay or European, <laughs> and then there's like a whole song about Ireland for no reason, mm. and then a river dance sequence. That, it's like, so good. It's so good. It's amazing. It's just um, a mishmash, isn't it? It's so weird, but it's so good. Best thing in the world. Um, and my <laughs> other thing I've been watching, which literally just started last night, it's a sin. Oh, Russell don't! I haven't watched it yet. We oh, were trying to watch it. I wanted to watch it last God. night, and then I came downstairs, and um, 
So, because my housemate Carrie's not feeling good, she's definitely got COVID. She um, wanted to watch Fried Green Tomatoes, which is like this old film. It's from like, I don't know, like the 80s maybe, but it's, right. um, it's like the most gay film that isn't gay. It's like these ah. two women are like, <laughs> it's just so gay. And she's like, I just want to watch that. So we watched that last night and I was sat there. I was like, but I want to watch It's a Sin because it started last night. So I need to watch that today. I'm going to catch up. Yeah. Because um, obviously it's Russell T Davis, isn't it? So it's going to be good. And like, Russell I'm, T I'm really Davis, excited. Um, Ollie Alexander from The Band yeah. Years and Years. Um, there's... Uh, I can't remember her name, but there's a, an actress who um, is in it who was also in the TV show Years and Years, which was also written right. by Russell T Davies. There you go. Um, yeah. I'm just going to say, you will not be disappointed. Oh, because I, I really want to watch it. Everything you could want and more. We watched <sighs> two episodes last night and then I had to start. Has the whole thing gone up on uh, or is, was I it just think one? so. Oh my on, God. So on the telly, we yeah. have Sky, um, mm-hmm. and we could watch quite a few episodes. Okay, so maybe the whole thing's gone up. Oh, I'm so excited. I want to watch it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah, so what have you been watching? I completely... I made <laughs> a ages. bit of a list. <laughs> no, I made a bit of a list of things that, like, I watched in the first lockdown, which was obviously so long ago, but, like, shows that have stayed with me, and I thought we could discuss some of them because you agree with some of them on, with me. I'm going to um, say one is Bly Manor. Well, yes, obviously. That's the, like, the, that, the oh, that's like that is like my show of 2020 is the haunting of Blind Manor. Um, just a massive gay, really. But we didn't expect I, much of that, did we? No, well, because I'd previously tried to watch the Haunting of Hill House which, when it came out, so that was a few years ago, and I only got maybe two episodes in, and then I stopped watching it. I can't remember. I think I was just like, oh, it's not as scary as I thought, or whatever. I've watched it now, and oh my god it's like actually it's way scarier than Blind Manor I love the writing in it and I think actually Haunting Hill House is amazing but I just had bailed on it really early so we put it on didn't we because we were just like oh we'll see what this is about it's like big and then suddenly there's like this lesbian love story in it which is incredible it's like really well written and like not remotely stereotypical or like they just I don't know, even though there's like, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but even though there's a tragic end to the whole series, it doesn't feel like as, you know, pointed yeah. as it usually does. I don't know, I just really liked it. Yeah. Um, obviously, The Haunting Blind Man is on there. I also just fancy everyone in it. I think it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, along those lines as well, for me just listing gay things. And after <laughs> the last lockdown, we watched Ratchet on Netflix as well. Yeah. With Sarah Paulson in it. Incredible. That was um, great. We didn't think much of that either at first, did we? But we all I didn't it. watch it all. Um, I don't know what I was doing. I think I might. Have, we might have had different late nights. It was when at we were work. still working. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you 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 watched it, and I watched like bits of it. But I like. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I love Sarah Paulson, so that was always going to be a winner. Then I uh, right, I've got some listed here that I know you've watched too, so we can discuss oh, this. Can't okay. believe you didn't mention your favorite show of twenty twenty, aka Normal People. Oh my god. <laughs> This <laughs> felt so long ago. I literally I know. just rewatched it. Like, I know I've got it listed ago, as lockdown one. What? Because me and Alicia watched oh it all in lockdown one. Oh my god! Yes, I forgot all about that. Um, yeah. yeah, normal people. I think has changed my life. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's up there. It's something that like me and my like all of my friends like you guys and like my friends from home 
what we've all been talking about because it's one of those things that like is you know some bits are a light-hearted romance yeah and then like there's really deep bits about like mental health and it's all a, yeah it, it's all about like the kind of student experience which we've all just kind of gone through over the yeah. last five six years um so good and it's an island so I love that and part. it's an island yeah it was amazing um <laughs> so and good. I think we all I think it really caught that moment of like being stuck and like not really knowing what you're doing yeah um having intense emotions and like not really knowing how to kind of express them properly and that really caught a moment and I loved it so much I love Paul Meskel I love Paul Meskel so much we know. wearing a chain I bought a chain oh my god um, she's wearing one <laughs> listeners that's hilarious I bought a chain um and I also cut my bangs in like Marianne like a couple yeah. of months ago because I uh I love it so much so funny um yeah I got that on there then I wrote um, Queen's Gambit, we loved on Netflix. Yeah, we loved that. Um, I right. watched, in, in lockdown one, I watched Hunters on Amazon Prime. That was really good. I haven't, oh, Hunters. Yes, Hunters. I did watch yeah. that. You showed About it to me. About the Nazi Hunters. That was brilliant. So good. Um, Logan Lerman and yeah. um, Al Pacino. Yeah. Wow. So good. We loved that. Can't wait for series two of that. Um, also in lockdown one, I watched some comedies. So I watched Feel Good on all four. Yeah, um, love it. Which is like May Martin, which just so, actually is so feel good. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and This Way Up, which is like Ashley B, which is just hilarious. I love Ashley like, B. So funny. Um, this end of episode three, I know exactly which episode it was, had me and Alicia like in tears. It was like, and I don't know if it was the delirium of watching it probably with COVID in the first lockdown, but it yeah. was so funny. And then, yeah, uh, I watched Hollywood on Netflix at the beginning of lockdown one. I just wrote yeah. down at any show really, but yeah, my show of 2020 is Bly Manor because I loved it so much, but I watched so many good things last year. And um, it was a really good- I'm currently watching One Tree Hill with Alicia. For the first yeah. time yeah who's never watched it and we've we've blasted through we've got past that episode which anyone who watches one tree hill will know which episode i'm referring to but we have got past that episode um, i've never watched <laughs> without just spoiling like, it for yeah yeah i don't want to spoil it for anyone not that anyone's desperate to watch one tree hill which is on like 15 years ago however i know i know something important that we've missed out from the tv series i may oh, destroy you oh see i haven't watched that Oh, have you not? Oh my I've god! Not watched it yet? Everyone in I think that was the show that I was in work when people were watching it, so I haven't seen that. Yeah, I made a story was incredible. Like it, yeah. Had, um, like it was so like gripping, and Michaela Cole was just like. There's a bit in it where she calls out someone who rapes her, um, but yeah. like she's not sure it's it's rape. And yeah. then someone goes, um, someone kind of insinuates that he'd done a similar thing to her. Um, mm. It's one of those things that not many women would be aware of. That's when this guy is, they're having sex and it is consensual because he's wearing a condom and then he takes the condom off and it's a, yeah. a thing called stealthing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's cause that's not something that like people consent to if you take the condom mm-hmm. off without them knowing. Um, and it kind of came out in the TV show that he'd done that to a couple of girls and mm-hmm. 
there's like a big event for her book that she's like talking about and she goes up onto the podium i'm sorry this is a massive spoiler for everyone but like if you haven't watched it by now what are you doing what are you doing, oh, what are you doing? sorry, oh, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah i mean this isn't the big this isn't like a big thing i mean it is big but it's not massive um and she goes i can't remember the guy's name she goes blah 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 raped me last night and the guy is there in the audience and his mum is there and oh, everyone's yeah. like whoa and he's like oh crap and like tries to make a hasty getaway wow. but he's caught on like everyone's phones oh my god okay great. well to watch that i don't know if we'll leave that in that big spoiler you've just yeah i know <laughs> we'll just bleep that whole maybe not maybe not yeah <laughs> oh well oh my god okay um yeah Is anything uh, else or do you want to go on to the listening uh, yeah i guess listening what have you yeah, been listening to Okay, well, this year I have been Taylor Swift's bitch. I have been yes. obsessed with like both albums she dropped last They're year. Incredible. So Folklore and Evermore, both of them incredible. I've got a list of favourite songs here for us to discuss. Yes. I love them. I like used to be such a big Taylor Swift fan, like when I was a teen like young teenager. I saw her live years ago on her Speak Now tour. And yeah. like when I was like really into the Jonas Brothers as well. And um yeah, like I've I liked her ages ago. And then I just dropped off. I hadn't really listened to her in ages. Um I listened to her up till about like 1989 and then I've got the album. And then after that I hadn't really listened to her for a while. And then mm. cause, mostly because I missed her doing more like guitar, like acoustic yeah. The Reputation um, album was just very like, oh, everyone's done me wrong, like blah blah. blah. Yeah, I, hate I didn't like that. I'm hard. I'm cool. And then she was yeah. kind of like, oh, actually, wait, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really like that album. I love her. I, I couldn't really get into Love Her either. And yeah, so now she's like back on my mind. And I think these songs, these albums are just beautiful. I think they're just incredible. incredible. Um, I, yeah, I've never. I've, I'm the opposite. I've never really been a massive Taylor fan. Like I like a song. I like the songs here and there, but I, I never would really kind of, it's a lot of it is very poppy or like very like, I don't know. I think the only way I can describe it is very Taylor Swift. And that wasn't me for a long time. But yeah, these, these albums I'm just completely obsessed with. Oh I was God. trying to pick top three and I've literally written like five from each album like and even them like I love the whole album so it's like I've kind of had to try and so from folklore yeah I really like the one so yeah that's um, on my list I like last great American dynasty yes me too that's on my list yeah um I like um Alyssa Affairs that's great good yes um I think those are my favourites. The rest are kind of like great or oh, Mad Woman's good. Yeah. I've um, got... I know you like um, Betty. I, I put... Yeah, Betty, yeah. I put The One, Betty, The Last Great American Dynasty and Invisible String. Oh yeah, Invisible String is really good. And then um, I also love Peace, which is like, because I think it's a really simple song, but I love the lyrics in it. I think she's like, the lyrics are like, she's kind of, they're really simple, but they like hit home really hard. And I really like that. So I went with Peace as well. Um, I Peace is one of those ones that kind of fades into the background for me. I, I don't really mm. remember how the song goes. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's really <laughs> simple. It doesn't really do a lot. That's why I just like it. Yeah. Um, or about on Evermore. 
Okay. I can tell I you right now, Alicia's favorite is champagne problems, which she's shouting across the room. At yes. Me right now. <laughs> yes, me too. I love champagne problems. I love champagne so problems. So good. Um, champagne problems and uh, nobody, no crime. Yes, nobody, no crime with Haim. Haim which oh, has got me so back good. into Haim as well. Yes, same. I and I'm love like. Haim. I've never really like religiously listened to Haim. I do like them, but I've never sat and listened to their albums properly. And I've really done that now and I really like them. Um, The first album really caught me in a moment. I loved it so much. Um, See, whereas I I got into the second one was the album I'd listened to loads. Um, I I haven't listened really to the second and third one or whatever, but I really like them. Um, Yeah, so Champagne Problems is, 1000% 1000% my favourite song. I think my favourite song from both albums. Champagne Problems. Yeah, yeah I do like that one. Um, I've also got um, Ivy and I have um, the boppy one. So I like Tis the Damn Season. I always go back to that good. one. And I like Long Marjorie. Marjorie with her grandmother on the song. I know. It's you lovely. Know it's really nice. So yeah, Taylor Swift ones. has been my my thing in 2020. It was was big time Taylor Swift and Haley Williams. That's my other girl that I need to talk Obviously. about as well. Her album Petals for Armor, her solo album, which actually it took me a little while to get into. I wasn't because I'm mm. such a Paramore fan. Like I literally have like a Paramore tattoo. Like I oh my god, really, do you like Paramore? <laughs> oh my god, I like Paramore. <laughs> but like, so I loved um. Dead Horse and Sudden Desire and Over Yet because they're kind of the more upbeat, boppy ones, which yeah. are like a bit more paramory. Yeah. But I actually, the more I, yeah, I, I listened to, them, to I one of the them, ones. I listened to one of them. I can't remember which one it was, but it was not what I expected. It was very like slow and sad and yeah, piano. And most I was like, of the album oh. that, yeah. She's just released a cover of um, Teardrop by Massive Attack as well, which is so good. Like I love yeah. when Hayley Williams covers other people's songs because I think I just love her voice. So like anything she covers, I'm like in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love that one, and that's really slow. It's just her and a piano. So yeah, my two ladies of 2020 have been Taylor Swift and Hayley Williams. That's my music basically that I've consumed for a year. Yeah. It's just them two. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been listening to, as I said before. Well, I didn't say, I kind of went to mention it and got distracted. Um, the Bridgerton string quartet covers on the oh, Bridgerton right. soundtrack are amazing. Oh, I think amazing. one of my current housemates was telling me about this, that they're covering other like big songs, which is like what they did with Westworld. One thing I loved about Westworld, I don't really watch anymore, but in the mm. first season especially is they do like country like western like they play on like janky pianos and like yeah random, and like, it's like massive rock hits but like played completely differently so that you're almost like when i would watch it with my dad we'd be like looking at each other like who is this what's this yeah song? what is this and i love so covers like that yeah it's so cool the big one that um people kind of noticed first was it as a ball scene in the first episode and um they're dancing to thank you next all right but like really good so, yeah so it's cool. amazing and then there's um uh, bad guy they do a cover of bad guy by Billie eilish um, yeah. and uh, they also do a cover of um wildest dreams which is amazing oh during yeah. during a during a sexy scene, <laughs> sexy, sexy scene. i 
I love that though. Like that's like um, when the Great Gatsby film came out and it's all like modern hip hop music yeah. set in the twenties and it's like this like juxtaposition of the two and like it's so cool. I, I love oh, that. Beyonce's Crazy in Love version for that is really cool. It's the who sings it on the soundtrack? It's still it's still Beyonce, but she's done. It's not. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. I I thought it was her. I think it's Emily Sandy or someone. Um, it's someone else I'm sure it is I can't find it I can't find it well it doesn't matter anyway but anyway yeah yeah, that soundtrack it will matter because it's you and me and we'll be like I have to find out who it is (laughs) because I have to be great I'm googling it right now (laughs) okay crazy in love Gatsby Gatsby search Emily Sunday and the oh, Brian okay. Ferry Orchestra. You were right. Thank you, thank you. I was <laughs> right. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Podcast over. Now we've fallen out. Now it's over. Um, another great thing. Listen, God, we're loving the covers at the moment. Um, yeah. There's a real moment for covers. It's our Miley Cyrus late, latest album, the Heart of Glass cover. Yes. Oh my God. Also, the remix of edge of 17 with uh, midnight so whatever good. it's called yeah and it's i can't remember what it's called but like it's got stevie nicks in it and so it's like oh, it's so good i was yeah. listening to it on the radio i was like driving and it came on and i noticed the stevie nicks part like the edge of 17 part yeah. and i was like how have i not noticed this before and i didn't it took me ages to realize that it wasn't the original song that it was like this yeah. remix because it like fits so well it does yeah. uh, but particularly but yeah, the Heart of Glass cover, I remember we watched the um, the video at the MTV Music thing, or whatever yeah. it was, her like live performance of it, and she's yeah. in this like black cat suit, and she looks yeah. amazing. But this song just kind of, it makes me want to get all like dressed up, and I want to strut down the street. <laughs> you know, I know. well, I am the shit. You just I know. Like, that was the thing like when at the minute you because you can't go anywhere or do anything like I'm not one for clubbing like I hate clubbing yeah. I really do like if I'm gonna be somewhere with loud music and a drink in my hand I would rather be at a gig and I miss gigs so much but like at the minute all I want to do is go out and like go to a club and get absolutely yeah. smashed yeah. and come back and then the next day I have like McDonald's like that's all I want and yeah. we semi did that last week for Alicia's birthday by like clubbing around the house like we made like different rooms like different bars and we did it like that but it just wasn't the same like I just yeah. wanted to go to the club <laughs> just even a dive one like again, I always charge what... six pounds for a vodka soda line <laughs> yeah. I put my coat in a shitty cloak room and like <laughs> I literally like I argued even... with the cloak room attendant <laughs> to get it back <laughs> a badge stolen off my leather jacket looking at you ocean in nottingham like i just literally just yeah just something like that it would be amazing right now but it's just not it's not gonna happen for so long. but yeah no well that i think i think we should wrap up our, our pop culture highlights our pop culture highlights of 2020 um there because i don't even know how long we've been on the phone for we've been on the phone for probably about I want to say 35 minutes at least. <laughs> of just that. Well, okay, everyone, we'll launch a new podcast soon that's just us commenting on pop culture. We 1000% could. We actually should. No if, one there's any mar- if there's any market for it, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> if you want there's, us to there's, tell you. There's the three followers that we have. <laughs> uh, our loyal listeners, Joe, I know you're upstairs and you probably hear me recording this right now, but <laughs> tell us what uh, Joe and my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. But, uh, yeah, we should shout out our, our biggest fan, Hugh, who listened to one second of us last year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or one minute or whatever it was. Incredible, incredible. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, should we get into it? So, yeah. obviously, if you've forgotten what the 10th Muse even is, we talk <laughs> about <laughs> women through time who deserve more recognition. And that we class women as anyone who classes themselves as a woman. That is it. Like we include everyone yeah. in that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we just want to talk about some incredible ladies. Um, we do. And do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I don't mind going first. Okay, well, um, take it away. So my 10th muse this week is got a, known by a couple of different names. So Okay. Known as, uh, the first name, his, the primary name he's known as, I say he because it's Dr. James Barry. Oh, this is a good one, Helena do you know, Davidson. Do you know this person? I, I don't, I couldn't, yes, I know what this is, but I don't, couldn't tell you anything, so this is great. Yeah. yeah. So, Dr. James Barry, also known as Dr. James Miranda Stewart Barry, Dr. Miranda Stewart, and Margaret Ann Bulkley or Bulkley I don't know so basically at the top any pronunciations that we do may be wrong especially my story when I get to mine they will probably be wrong so <laughs> disclaimer <Go on>. yeah, <laughs> um, disclaimer so born as Margaret Ann Bulkley in uh, 1795 in Cork Ireland um, there's a few disputes for some reason BBC Bite Size reports it as that she was born in 1789 I'm not sure but 1795 seems to be the roundabout kind of agreed on date so Margaret's family was very poor when she was young not much is known about um, the family or her childhood um, some reports say that her father was the famous painter James Barry uh, who was son of the shipbuilder John Barry however other reports say that James Barry was her uncle um, and that her father was just a, a greengrocer which I think that's that latter idea is more likely because their family mm -hmm. was very poor and James Barry was quite a successful painter okay. um, and uh, was a professor of painting at the London's Royal Academy. So through her uncle James Barry, she was also kind of related or linked to um, a Venezuelan radical called General Francisco de Miranda. Brilliant Spanish pronunciation there, Helena. It was like it was in your mother tongue. Well... <laughs> It wasn't bad. <laughs> Francisco de Miranda. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, Leaving that in. <laughs> I'm really sorry for anyone from Venezuela. So when uh, Margaret, no, yes, Margaret, sorry, there's so many M names, I get really confused. Uh, when Margaret was young, her father was jailed in debtor's prison in Dublin because um, Margaret's brother was pretty reckless with money and left the family destitute. So when the painter, James Barry, died, he left the family some money and the family moved to London where they were taken in by James Barry's friends. So Margaret began to be tutored by the physician, Edward Fry, and they hatched a plan to send her to medical school. To kind of sum up Margaret Ann Bulkley, she was regarded as the first female surgeon. So yeah, in 1809, Margaret, who was now disguised as a boy with the new name James Miranda Stuart Barry, sailed to Edinburgh with a letter of recommendation from a friend 
It says the friend was someone called Lord Buchan. I don't know. I think it was someone like the 12th Earl of Buchan. I, I don't, I'm not really sure. It doesn't say. But if he was an Earl, he was 100% a government peer. So presumably held some influence in Edinburgh. Okay. So James Miranda Stuart Barry. From now on, I'm going to refer to Barry as um, he, him, because every article I've read does. And um, it's probably quite fitting as uh, he spent the rest of his life as a man, basically. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Barry had a medical exam, apparently, but um, it failed to note that uh, there was a bit of a lack of male genitalia. Um, all good. It's fine. Um <laughs> Also to, la- to account for the lack of male features, Barry said that he was a lot younger than his real age of 14. Because, of course, a 10-year-old boy can become a doctor, but God forbid a woman do so. <laughs> Great, yeah, perfect. 10-year-old boy, sound. Let's do it. Not an issue. I just give you, a, might as well give you a scalpel now, crack off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the theories is that after Barry had graduated, he would go with General Miranda to Venezuela, where women could practice medicine. And obviously, Barry could kind of resume um, his life as Margaret Ann Bulkley. But the general was imprisoned. And so after graduating in 1812, Barry went to London and spent six months at St. Thomas Hospital, um, where he passed his exams to become a surgeon and enlisted in the British Army. St. Thomas Hospital saved me when I had my anaphylactic shock in London. There you go. You have told me that. Yes, I do know. Uh, there you go. That's yeah, where Big I got up taken St. Thomas. An Big up St. Thomas. Um, <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> so um, now in the military, uh, Barry went to Plymouth um, to be an assistant at a military hospital. Um, and at this time, the Napoleonic Wars were still going on. So obviously Plymouth is like a, a port town. So there was a lot of um, injured soldiers coming in. By this time, first kind of comments about Barry's appearance began. Um, he was beardless and had a high-pitched voice and was very small, apparently not that much over five foot. However, um, he quite impressed his colleagues with his skills and um, had the British authorities on his side. Um, so it was never really looked into. That's maybe due to the influence of Lord Buchan. Unsure. That's, you know, a lot of the kind of, there's really not a lot of known about Barry, about like the actual details. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll kind of talk a little bit about that in a bit as to why that might have been. But um, obviously people did suspect him as being maybe not him. Yeah, like there was exactly. something not right there that people were like, oh, okay, maybe something's a bit different. But maybe yeah. they didn't guess yeah. that it was actually a woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so at Plymouth, he became the assistant surgeon and then started his international career so Barry's first international posting was to the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa in 1816 and it's really interesting that you said that they maybe didn't know that he was a woman although there were rumours because there was really it seems to be there wasn't a great deal of trying to hide it or trying to right okay um so yeah in South Africa um Barry's character really comes alive um, mm-hmm. And the descriptions seemed to indicate that um, he was quite uh, quite flamboyant, um, mm-hmm. wearing a big plumed hat and carrying a <laughs> sword, always accompanied by a black servant, uh, a dog called Psyche, and apparently a goat so he could drink its milk. Wow, okay. Really weird. Imagine this little tiny five foot, like, beardless 
man walking around, you know, with his little entourage, stopping for milk. a little sup of the goat's milk. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, he was also apparently like very gruff and bad tempered and would like swear and shout at people all the time. He's just a really a quirky character, I think we could yeah. say. Okay. Um so I mean he's he's you know inviting a lot of attention. Yeah. But he seemed to be very trusting of his servant, because his servant uh was with Barry for the next 50 years, presumably knew Barry's real gender. Okay. Um, as there's one report that he had to lay out towels each morning so that Barry could bandage his body and pad out other areas. So it's almost like like binding, like chest binding, yeah. and then like um, padding out like maybe his legs or shoulders, um, yeah. for example. Um, so I think to do that, you'd be like, wow. you'd have to know what was going on. Yeah, surely. yeah. Even if you weren't like helping Barry do it himself, like helping Barry bind his chest. Like you'd know, like why, why? Okay, yeah. And um, his he had a really bad temper as well. Um, so on two occasions he called for a duel against men who teased him for his appearance. Um, <sighs> so he injured one man and another he shot in the lung and killed. And I've written here, so he meant business. <laughs> <laughs> as well, another article I read states that Barry was quite a ladies' man behaving so flirtatiously with women that one husband accused him of paying improper attentions to his wife oh oh so <laughs> drawing attention to himself there uh, yeah that's what that's what he's doing you know paying improper attentions um he was oh also God. once accused of being in a homosexual relationship with the governor of south africa who was called lord charles somerset um, because they were very friendly and Somerset gave him some private apartments. Another article says that they lived together. I'm not entirely sure which one is true. Okay. But yeah, there was rumours that they um, were going out. Thing. Um, <laughs> at thing. They were courting. What is known, though, is that there was a commission set up to investigate that. But um, it was later dropped because Barry commanded so much respect as a doctor. So despite all this, like his previous appearance, like in public, Barry had a, an amazing bedside manner and made his patients and peers alike respect him massively. So in 1822, Barry was promoted to the role of medical inspector for the Cape of Good Hope and director of the vaccine board. So, you know, there was, there's loads of promotions throughout his life. So um, he seems, he's generally regarded as an amazing doctor. Mm -hmm in this new role he was still active in the military but he also took on lots of campaigning for prisoners health and conditions inside the prisons mm -hmm. and he also lobbied to have lepers considered as unfortunates rather than criminals right so rumors still circulated about barry possibly being a woman um, one of his patients captain wh dillon wrote in 1856 Many surmises were in circulation relating to him. From the awkwardness of his gait and the shape of his person, it was the prevailing opinion that he was a female. Another visitor to Cape Town, uh, Lord Albemarle, commented on uh, Barry, there was a certain effeminacy to his manner, which he seemed to be always striving to overcome. So these, these other people are kind of noticing. Yeah. They're noticing something isn't right. Okay. Or 
not that something's not right so it's just like it's not as not everything's as they seem yeah so barry resigned from that role as the medical inspector and director of the vaccine board in 1825 due to political rows but was urgently summoned to the house of um, a mr thomas munich munich not sure um whose wife was having a very difficult childbirth and here barry is credited to have performed the first ever cesarean section by a western doctor without Ooh. anesthetic um Ooh. laying out on the kitchen table but the decision paid off because both the mother and baby survived and were happy and healthy so great mm-hmm. um fun fact the baby's descendant was the future uh, south african prime minister james barry munich herzog Oh, there you go. Named after him. Yeah. Um, Shortly after this, in 1829, Barry went to Mauritius, where he was the assistant surgeon there. Again, the rumours of his gender followed him, and he didn't get on well with the governor there and left not long after arriving to help a friend um, who had a long-term illness back in London. His friend died in 1831, and that same year, Barry was posted to Jamaica, which at the time had the reputation of being um, the white man's grave because of the threat of yellow fever and other illnesses. But Barry had a very strict vegetarian diet and maintained proper food hygiene and sanitation, and so he never fell ill. So he knew his shit. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. The diseases meant there was a great deal of work to be done there, though, um, and he stayed for four years. And then in 1836... He moved to St. Helena or St. Helena. I'm not sure how that is pronounced, where he was the, pr- the principal medical officer of the island. On the island, many women were pretty impoverished and often turned to prostitution. So to try and combat the prostitution, Barry introduced uh, female nursing to the island and so gave the woman a job, mm-hmm. which is great. But he was demoted in 1838 for reasons that were repressed, apparently, um, which could be because of the rumours of his gender again. But he was appointed to the post of staff surgeon on the Windward and Leeward Islands, which I think is like around Trinidad and Tobago. Those islands also had a reputation for death and disease. And um, in 1844, he finally contracted yellow fever but survived and took up the position of principal medical officer in Malta in 1846. Mm. So there was loads of traveling and loads of different like medical positions throughout his life. Basically he mm. just lived yeah, all over the place. Yeah, literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, so his skill, efficiency and dedication earned him a lot of respect and he was mm-hmm. held very, very high regard and was promoted to the rank of deputy inspector general of hospitals. In 1855, from April to June, Barry visited the Crimea because um, the Crimean War was going on. Uh, It started in October 1853 and went on until February 1856. So one of the most famous uh, female nurses from the Crimea is Florence Nightingale. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also Mary Seacole, who is a black nurse who is often forgotten about. Uh, So I might talk about her at some point as well because she's cool. But yeah. Florence Nightingale is supposed to be the the revolutionary amazing nurse from the Crimea. Um, Mm. And while he was there, he's uh, said to have berated Florence Nightingale uh, in front of a load of her peers. Um, Right. She wrote this account after Barry's death 
So she said, I never had such a blackguard rating in all my life. I, who have had more than any woman, than from this Barry sitting on his horse while I was crossing the hospital square with only my cap on in the sun. He kept me standing in the midst of quite a crowd of soldiers, commissariat, servants, camp followers, etc., etc., every one of whom behaved like a gentleman during the scolding I received, while he behaved like a brute. After he was dead, I was told that Barry was a woman. I should say that Barry was the most hardened creature I had ever met. So so not not a fan there so after crimea barry's next final post was to canada as inspector general there he fought for separate married quarters in the barracks for roasted meat instead of boiled and feather or hair mattresses instead of straw i assume those are because it you know you get better meat and less chance of like salmonella if you roast the maybe, meat and boil it, probably. Um, you know, there's like maybe bug, maybe he just straw. liked, you know, like a, a roast chicken. Good old roast. Who knows? <laughs> who, who wants a boiled meat? Ew, a boiled chicken. Gross. <laughs> Grim. And maybe there was like less bugs in feather and hair mattresses. Mm. I assume. Not sure. Um, no. So he thought just generally to kind of improve living conditions while he was there though he suffered from a few bouts of bronchitis and was eventually sent back to england on six on sick leave in may 1859 <laughs> don't know gonna laugh <laughs> barry died of dysentery six years later <laughs> she's laughing and i'm like he died <laughs> <laughs> I just think of, I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. Exactly, okay. but and yeah. then he died. And then he oh, died okay, of dysentery. <laughs> sorry. Died as he lived, <gasps> shaking okay. himself. <laughs> he did not. No, that was not how he died. Yes, Barry sadly died of dysentery six years later on the twenty fifth of July, eighteen sixty five, and was given a full military funeral. But Ooh. that's not the end of the story. Because it's all there's a lot of interesting stuff about when he was when he died. Because allegedly he asked to be buried in his clothes and for his body to be left unwashed. So obviously he didn't want his secret to be discovered. The maid who was kind of attending him didn't listen to this and found out that Barry was quote a perfect female, which I assume means yeah. he had breasts and a vagina. Um, yeah, but the also, there appeared to be stretch marks, which suggest that Barry might have had a baby at some point. What? I know. So the stretch marks, which we know now can occur regardless of whether you have a child or not. Yeah. But for all accounts of how small Barry allegedly was, I can't think he would have grown that much. So, you know, he definitely could have had a baby. Another explanation for this is from an account I read that said that Barry had been raped by an uncle when margaret was quite young and had had a child it's also reported that when a doctor attended him in canada for like bronchitis and yellow fever um the room was always in darkness so as to obscure any accidental breast sightings that Uh, might give away so okay so the reaction to this was mixed um Mm. on the one hand um he was given his full military burial as befitted his rank but Mm -hmm. it was a massive scandal for the military 
um, and they had Barry's records embargoed for a hundred years. So, you know, wow. nothing could be looked okay. at. And it wasn't, nothing was known about him until the 1950s. There was like um, a historian who looked into it and tried to like find out things about him. And his death certificate was sealed as well and not opened until many years later. So when it was opened, it was revealed that he'd been declared a man on the death certificate. Major McKinnon, who signed the death certificate, said that Barry's gender was none of his business, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Here. yeah, so many of Barry's colleagues claimed they knew it all along, and some suspected he was a boy who'd never progressed past puberty, or you know, people just thought he was a woman. As we have been saying all along, these gender kind of rumors followed him wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't quite decide if I think it's because they respected him that it wasn't like a big deal, or. Mm that was like a method of containing and playing down the scandal yeah because there was a lot of like obviously women weren't allowed to be doctors um yeah it was bad i guess also it would be like you wouldn't want to be the person who called someone out for that and then we're wrong yeah especially not in that day and age like i mean you wouldn't be calling someone out for that now anyway but like yeah. back then if you were like i think that he's a woman and then it was like well he's yeah. not you wouldn't but, want to be that person um, to do that, you know? Yeah. Also, if, like, if he was, like, born a man, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to kind of say that and, as you said, be wrong, but also, like, it would really, like, damage his reputation. Yeah. And, you know, he's built this amazing reputation and it's really detracting to have these gender rumours, you know? Yeah. So it's really interesting. There's a quote from Major McKinnon, the guy who signed the death certificate, um, mm-hmm. And he's writing to someone, um, telling them of how, when he was speaking to the maid who, like, prepared him for, for burial, the maid said, oh, how did you not know he was a, he was a woman? Like, you're a pretty bad doctor if you, if you missed that. And he was like, well, it's no secret of mine. And that my own impression was that Dr. Barry was a hermaphrodite. But whether Dr. Barry was a male, a female, or a hermaphrodite, I do not know, nor had I any purpose of in making the discovery, as I could positively swear to the identity of the body as being that of a person whom I had been acquainted with as Inspector General of Hospitals for a period of years. So he's kind of saying here, like, you know, whether he was like a male, female, or, or you know, a hermaphrodite, it doesn't really matter to me because, you know, I knew the ident- I knew this person as someone who was Inspector General, you know, he had a really mm-hmm. high military rank and yeah. earned this position from being an amazing doctor. So again, like, I don't know how much of that is, like, respect or if it's, like, he's trying to play down the scandal. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I think that's kind of the beauty of Barry's story, though, is that we don't know who he was um, mm-hmm. in his heart and that knowledge died with Barry and perhaps his yeah. servant. Because the secret wasn't what made Barry Barry. It was the fact that, you know, he was an incredible doctor. You know, he revolutionized lots of kind of medical practice um, in terms of sanitation and was very ordered and Mm -hmm. performed the first successful cesarean by a Western doctor in South Africa. And I think it was the second cesarean by a Western doctor, the first in South Africa. So Mm -hmm. he did amazing things. 
Um, I think that's where I heard of him from was we were watching that series on Netflix recently um, explained which is like Fox and Netflix mm-hmm. and there's a special series called like it's like a sub series like explained sex and it's in that they talk about like birth control and yeah. they mentioned they mentioned like him oh. and I, I think that's where I was like oh my god yeah because that was only like the other day yeah. we watched that. sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but yeah that's, yeah. that's I recommend that series anyway but yeah that's where I'd heard of because it was like the first successful one yeah I just want to round that up and say maybe he was fully a man and so was maybe he was transgender maybe he still considered himself a woman we just don't know and that's the beauty of it yeah and that is my 10th muse love it I love that like so interesting as well because it's like what if yeah, I guess you could, that's like one of those people, you don't you wish you could just speak to them and be like, yeah. what was it for you? Like, or does it literally just not even matter to you? Because it doesn't really yeah. matter to the way we remember them. So there's, there's, there's also that kind of idea that if you kind of believe something or if you, you know, act like something is real for so long, you kind of become it. Yeah. So like, did he think he was a man? I'm not sure. No, that's so interesting though. Yeah. Here is your 10th muse then. My 10th muse this week is Hedy Lamar, who this is I a, know that name. Yeah. Well, this is a recommendation, like going all the way back. I figured because we hadn't done the podcast in so long, I thought I'd go all the way back to the beginning and be like, what was my list of people that I wanted to like cover? And so Hedy was recommended to me by Catherine Noon, who did the amazing artwork that is our podcast cover. And um, two for my major project. Exactly. So yeah, she recommended um, uh, Hedy to me way back at the beginning, like when I was explaining the concept, when she was doing the artwork for us. She was like, "Oh my god, this sounds like this could be. She could be one, like like this person." And I was like, "Oh," and I read up on her and stuff. But I don't know how I haven't done it till now. So this one's for Catherine, really. And I thought I'd just do it and like go all the way back to the beginning of like one of the first like listener, I guess, friend suggestions as well. Yeah, and cover Hedy Lamar. So she was um, an Austrian-American actress, inventor, and film producer who appeared in 30 films over a 28-year career. She had not one, not two, not three, but six ex-husbands. Um, yes! Six, yep. And she co-invented an early version of um, a frequency-hopping spread-spectrum communication system for torpedo guidance. So <laughs> she did a lot in her life. So she was born. Also, this has a few uh, tangents that I'm going to go down a little bit okay. because I just think the way she came to be who she was is very interesting. And it's worth going into all of that. So she was born Hedwig Eva Maria Kessler in 1914. And she was born in Vienna in Austria-Hungary to Emil and Gertrude or Trude Kiesler, and she was an only child. So her mum was a pianist who was born in Budapest to an upper-class Hungarian Jewish family, and her dad was a successful bank manager born to a Galician Jewish family in what's now Ukraine, basically, just to situate you. So she's in Vienna. (laughs) She converted to Catholicism as an adult at the insistence of her first husband, who I will get to because he was a piece of work, but we will get there eventually. But she was brought up Jewish. And as a child, she showed an interest in acting and was fascinated by theatre and film. 
and at the age of 12 she won a beauty contest in Vienna so she was like stunning sort of if you picture the stereotypical you know like golden Hollywood age of cinema Hollywood glamour it's her like she I is think I've seen a picture of her at some point and like yeah, yeah. she was she's it she's like the film noir actress like the poster girl for it all she's gorgeous so she also so she was beautiful she was interested in acting but she also began to associate inventing things and invention with her father who would take her out on walks and he would explain to her how various technologies in society functioned and so she was interested in like the way things worked and like asking questions so she took acting lessons in Vienna and one day she forged a permission note from her mum and went to um, Sasha film which is where she was hired at the age of 16 as a script girl so she was too young so she forged this like permission slip and went there she went on to act in a number of Austrian, German and Czech films in her brief early film career in sort of like Europe and Eastern Europe, including the controversial film Ecstasy, which came out in 1933. And it's basically, it's about a young woman who marries a wealthy but like much older man and later takes a lover in the form of an engineer. That's the general plot, really. Um, and it was filmed in three different languages, so German, Czech and French. And it's both celebrated for, and it's notorious for, um, it shows the actress's face in the throes of an orgasm. Oh. And it was like, perhaps the first non-pornographic movie ever to portray sexual intercourse and female orgasm, even though it doesn't show any more than the actor's faces. Yeah. So it's all her face, and that's what the controversy was, wow. was that you could watch it and you knew what was happening, but like it was all her portrayal of it. So it was really controversial because of it. Because obviously it's like 1933 and women don't orgasm. So what's happening yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> and um, also there's like scenes in it where Lamar is like running around and swimming naked. And like all I could think when I was reading this is like if only the people then could see TV and films now. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's, that's very controversial for the time, but not really now. Yeah. Um, so... Kaysa also was in a number of stage roles. She was in like one called Sissy, which is a play about the Empress Elizabeth of Austria, which was produced in early 1933, just as Ecstasy premiered. And so she was, she won accolades from critics for being in that. And admirers sent like roses to her dressing room and tried to get backstage to meet her. And she sent most of them away, including this like very insistent man called Frederick Mandel. He became like obsessed with getting to know her. And so, Mandel eventually became her first husband, so I'll just give you a bit right. of background on him. So he was a Viennese arms merchant and munitions manufacturer who was reputedly the third richest man in Austria. He was rich. Wow. Um, she fell for his, like, he was, like, apparently charming and fascinating, and part, but she partly fell for probably his immense wealth as well. Like, she's Anyone's charming guy. and fascinating <laughs> if they have money. <laughs> exactly. So... So her parents, who obviously are both of Jewish descent, didn't approve because Mandel at the time, bearing in mind the time setting, he had ties to Italian fascist leader Mussolini right. and later he had ties to Adolf Hitler and they couldn't stop her. She was like too headstrong so she married him anyway but like he had ties in like the arms industry to these like, you know, the Axis powers. Fascist dictators. Yeah, like completely. So on the 10th of August 1933, and I think this is telling, at the age of just 18, 
she married Mandel, who was then 33. And ah. yeah, he was the son of a Jewish father and a Catholic mother. But Mandel insisted that she convert to Catholicism before their wedding in Vienna. So she switched religions for him, everything uh. for him, basically. And so in her autobiography, which is called Ecstasy and Me, Mandel is described as being an extremely controlling husband. He strongly objected to her being filmed in the simulated orgasm scene in Ecstasy, which I mentioned before, and prevented her from pursuing her acting career. She claimed he, she was kept a virtual prisoner in the castle home, which was like near the Czech border. It's a castle. Um, oh. Very like, like the bloody chamber. Yeah. <laughs> I like kept as like, she's almost being kept as just like a pretty plaything almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not allowed to, you know, pursue her own career. And he reportedly spent $280,000, which was $5.53 million in 2019 terms. So like over $5 million Whoa. in a successful attempt to suppress the film Ecstasy by purchasing every existing print. Oh so he God. tried to buy all of it so that no one could see. And I assume content. it didn't work. I don't think it worked. No, well, you can, it's still, you can still see it. So it doesn't yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. Um, so Oops. basically, yeah, he had close social and business ties to the Italian government and he sold munitions to the country. And despite obviously his own part Jewish descent, he had ties to the Nazi regime of Germany and Kiesler accompanied Mandel to business meetings where he like talked to scientists and other professionals involved in military technology and these conferences were her introduction to the field of applied science so it was like interested to her as in like talent in science but she was also expected to like entertain his Nazi weapons customers and which obviously given her background she couldn't stand because she's Jewish like her family's Jewish even if she wasn't practicing Jewish and obviously her parents were so it's kind of a mixed feeling for her of like she's with these people she cannot stand but at the same time she gets to ask questions about science because she was all self-taught so she's just I think she was playing a bit of the like pretty girl that wasn't a threat yeah yeah so eventually she finds her marriage to Mandel unbearable and she decides to flee her husband as well as her country so she according to autobiography she disguised herself as her maid and fled to Paris in 1937. Frederick Otto's account says that she persuaded Mandel to let her wear all of her jewellery for a dinner party where there was like this influential like fascist was attending and then she disappeared afterwards. So she was like, I'm gonna wear all my jewellery to make myself look so good. <laughs> and then like ran off. Bolted. So, <laughs> so yeah. she just like ran off with all of her jewellery. All her jewellery on like, so at least she's got some money and she was smart about it, you know. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good plan. Solid. So she, she like played right into his hand of being like, I'm going to like really look great for you. And then like ran. She wrote about her marriage later on. Um, she said, I knew very soon that I could never be an actress while I was his wife. He was the absolute monarch in this marriage. I was like a doll. I was a little thing, some object of art, which had to be guarded and imprisoned, having no mind, no life of its own. So she was very clear about how she felt in that marriage. It's just sad really, isn't it? So after she moves to Paris, she went to London after that and she met Lewis B. Mayer who is head of Metro Goldwyn Mayer so MGM Studios yeah yeah he's like the second M in MGM (laughs) and 
he offered her a Hollywood movie contract where he began promoting her as the world's most beautiful woman. That was like the phrase about oh. her. The world's most beautiful woman. And it was in this movie contract that she changed the name. So she's no longer Keesler. Supposedly, he signed her under the condition that she changed her name from Keesler to Lamar. So that's where Hedy Lamar comes from. Or Hedy Lamar. So to sidetrack here... Um, given the context of all this. So on the 12th of March, 1938, the Anschluss happened, which was basically the annexation of Austria into Nazi Germany. So give some like context there for anyone who doesn't know what this is. But basically the campaign against the Jews in Austria started immediately after this and they were driven through the streets of Vienna. The homes and shops were plundered and the process of Aryanization began and they were driven out of public life within months. So these events reached the climax of the in the Kristallnacht program of 9th to 10th of November 1938. So yeah, all synagogues and prayer houses in Vienna were destroyed, as well as other Austrian cities such as Salzburg. The I can't pronounce this. The Stad Temple is the sole survivor due to its location because it was in like a residential district, so it prevented mm. it from being burnt down. Wow, but... like shops and businesses were also destroyed as well. Yeah, everything was destroyed and um, over 6,000 Jews were arrested overnight and the majority were deported to Dachau concentration camp in the following days. So the Nuremberg laws applied in Vienna from May 1938 and later were reinforced by innumerable anti-Semitic decrees. So basically, Jewish people in Austria were gradually robbed of their freedoms. They were blocked from almost all professions shut out of schools and universities they were forced to wear the yellow like badge from the September 1941 and the Nazis dissolved Jewish organizations and institutions they hoped originally to force Jews to emigrate and this plan succeeded because obviously if you're that terrified for your life you're gonna run if you can yeah so by the end of 1941 130,000 Jews had left Vienna 30,000 of whom went to the U.S. They left behind all of the property, but they were also like forced to pay. It's called the Reich flight tax, which is a tax on all like emigrants from Nazi Germany. Some received financial support from international aid organizations. So they could pay this tax. So it was almost like, yeah, you can run, but you have to pay us the luxury of running away, basically. Mm. So the majority of Jews who stayed in Vienna eventually became victims of the Holocaust. So one of the more than 65,000 Viennese Jews who were deported to concentration camps, fewer than 2,000 survived. Mm. And um, one of the people who did get out at this time was Hedy's mother, Gertrude, as Hedy helped get her to the US, where she later became an American citizen. Oh, um, wow. So all this is happening. She's like gone to America to like pursue a film career. And then all this shit storms happening in Europe and she has to get a mum out and she has to like you know that's in the back of her mind so I'm going to tell you a bit about her film career now but then I'm going to jump back to her inventing career because it was obviously largely led by the fact that she wanted to do more for like her people back home basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so back in America at this time Hedy is starring in numerous Hollywood films most of them were huge hits but a lot of her roles could be sort of summarized as just her being cast as like a beautiful face yeah. Um, she was given roles that would emphasize her beauty and sensuality and she was given relatively few lines so she didn't really get to like actually act very much and this is just a fun fact but her image in in these films inspired Catwoman in the original Batman comic oh, book oh cool she's just this like beautiful like 
woman so she's inspired all this pop culture because she's like the most beautiful woman in the world as like mgm was like you know selling yeah. her ass but she was bored in her acting roles because she wasn't being actively challenged and so she reportedly took up inventing just to relieve her boredom that was it um, Casually. <laughs> just casually so in an interview in 1970 Lamar also said she was probably paid less and not given great roles because she wouldn't sleep with Maya who like gave oh. so she wouldn't sleep with him and so she just was given like crap roles basically where she was just the pretty face so she wanted to join the National Inventors Council but she was reportedly told that she could better help the war effort by using her celebrity status to sell war bonds so she did participate in a war bond selling campaign with a sailor named Eddie Rhodes. So I liked this. Basically, they would go to these different places and then she would call him up from the crowd, like as if he was just some random guy in the crowd, but it was always him. And she would call him up and be like, um, oh, should I give him a kiss? And the crowd would be like, yeah. And if she'd be like, I'd kiss, I'll kiss him if we sell enough war bonds. And so all these people would be like buying war bonds. Oh my God. Kiss this like guy. And in total, she, I loved this, right? In total... She sold approximately $25 million worth, which if it was adjusted for inflation today is over $350 million worth of war bonds. Wow. During a period of just 10 days. 10 days? 10 days. Oh my God. That's <laughs> just doing this ploy of like, I'll kiss this sailor if you like do it. So she sold all these war bonds. And then... So she left MGM in 1945 and she started a production company called Mars Film Corporation with Jack Chertok and Hunt Stromberg. They produced two film noir motion pictures, which she also starred in. So one's called The Strange Woman, which came out in 1946 and uh, Dishonored Lady came out in 1947. So she like produced and starred in these films. And her most famous film was Samson and Delilah, which came out in 1949. And she played Delilah and she won critical acclaim for like her acting and everything in that. Uh, um, finally. I know, finally. <laughs> um, so by 1966, her film career had basically fizzled out, I guess, because she was kind of seen as like that pretty face in Hollywood and she was aging, which obviously now is an issue in Hollywood and it was even more so then. Yeah. So her inventing career, basically, Lamar had no formal training. She was primarily self-taught. And she worked in her spare time on various hobbies and inventions, including, so she invented an improved traffic light system. She um, invented a tablet that could dissolve in water to create a carbonated drink, which sounds familiar. She said this was unsuccessful in her own admission. She was like, it was horrible. It didn't work. But like, oh. she came up with the idea to like do that and it just didn't work. But she did that. She had the um, idea for it. She had the idea for it, yeah. So during World War II, like I said, I gave you all the context earlier. So obviously she's watching that happen in her country. So she was like, what could we do that would work? So basically she finds out that radio controlled torpedoes, which was an emerging technology in naval war at the time, could easily be jammed and set off course because it was radio controlled. So like if you found them on your system, you could kind of like just divert them and all this. So she thought of creating a frequency hopping signal that could not be trapped or jammed. So basically, if it was like jumping through all these different frequencies, you couldn't necessarily find the exact one and stop it. Yeah. You'd have to, it'd be harder to track. Wow. Um, so she conceived this idea and she contacted her friend, George Antheil, who was a composer and a pianist, to help her implement it. And so together, they, <clears throat> they developed a device for doing it and they patented it. So Antheil said, 
we started talking about the war, which in the late summer of 1940 was looking almost extremely black. Hedy said she didn't feel very comfortable sitting there in Hollywood and making lots of money when things were in such a state. So it was like she literally couldn't watch what was happening and not try and like help, basically. Yeah. Their invention was um, granted a patent on the 11th of August 1942 and it was filed using her married name, Hedy Kiesler Markey, because she'd remarried at this point. However, it was technologically difficult to implement. And the way they built it, it was so interesting. I was, I was trying to find a way to like explain it in the podcast, but I think you'd have to like Google it and look it up. It was like, because he was a pianist, it was using almost like a piano type system. So it was like using like, I, I can't explain it. Like this is what I mean. I was trying to like find a way to explain yeah. how it was going to work. It was really rudimentary and they came up with the idea and like submitted it. So it was difficult to implement on a wide scale, but... At the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, an updated version of their design was installed on Navy ships, so it kind of was implemented. Oh, right. So it was not in World War II at the end of World War II on a wide scale, but it was used in the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Wow. Um, So today, various spread spectrum techniques are incorporated into Bluetooth technology and is similar to methods used in like legacy versions of Wi-Fi. So essentially this little thing they invented is kind of like permeated into all these different things yeah like the blueprint for wi-fi and bluetooth yeah exactly and lamar and antheil's contributions were formally recognized in the late 20th and early 21st centuries so it's been like officially recognized so yeah so lamar was married and divorced six times she had three children one of the her relationships with one of her sons was just insane it was mental he was convinced he was adopted at like age 12 and didn't speak to her for 50 years and all this mad stuff happened in her personal life she became a naturalized citizen of the u.s age 38 on the 10th of april 1953 and during the 1970s lamar lived in increasing seclusion so she was offered several scripts including like television commercials and stage projects but none kind of piqued her interest so she didn't pursue acting anymore in 1997, Canadian company Wyland signed an agreement with Lamar to acquire 49% of the marketing rights of her patent, so the invention she'd made, and a right of first refusal for the remaining 51% for 10 quarterly payments, which is like, it's all confusing, but basically, it's the only financial compensation she received for the frequency hopping spread spectrum mm. invention. And um, she ended up she was friendly with um, this company CEO from then on because obviously they'd actually compensated her. Yeah. Invention. And in the last decades of her life, she communicated only by telephone with the outside world, even with her children and close friends. So she often talked on the phone for up to six to seven hours a day on the phone. Wow. And she spent hardly any time with anyone in person in her final years. And so there's a documentary film entitled Calling Hedy Lamar that was released in 2004 and it features her children, Anthony Loder and Denise Loder DeLuca and sort of explains that that was the way she was at the end of her life. And, and, you know, so she was very secluded at the end. She sued a few companies for using her image because obviously she's such an iconic image and uh, like the golden era of Hollywood that it was used for advertising and all this, but like they never asked for permission to use her image. So she fought a few cases there was one where she'd like her name like a play on her name was used in a film as a joke and like she obviously didn't like the joke so yeah. she like <laughs> went 
went for them as well and got a settlement and I can't remember who it was but they said like she obviously didn't get the joke because it wasn't like her name and so they paid her and it was the way they did it was they said this is for almost using her name because it wasn't her name it was a play on it yeah okay Um, but they settled out of court anyway yeah and then she she died on the 19th of January 2000 so she lived for like the entirety of like the 20th century like she watched all of it happen she was born in the beginning of world war one and then lived through all of this crazy stuff and had this incredible life just which... saw the 21st century and thought mm, nah i don't like it yeah i don't think uh, i don't think i'll stay for this <laughs> <laughs> so yeah exactly and she you know and she her life could have been very different i mean she she like she was of jewish descent like if she'd have stayed in vienna and her life had gone differently maybe if she wasn't an actress she hadn't married who she'd married like it could have been very very different and she got her mum out of there and I just think it's very incredible that she's this like face of like the golden era of Hollywood but she also did these like you know really groundbreaking scientific inventions even if they weren't implemented very far she showed that she had like a beauty and brains and Yeah. yeah and like she could have had a very different life but she felt guilty that she was having that life and you know Jewish people in Vienna weren't so she you know tried to make military technology to help which I think is very interesting and yeah. um yeah I just think she's a very interesting lady and um thanks to Catherine for recommending her to me because I, f- I found research and really really interesting and hilarious that she just had like six husbands and was like i'm done like after the sixth one she went, i'm done <laughs> i'm like not anymore no more husbands for me no more husbands but yeah she sounds cool she sounds like a really cool lady i've just her up as well and she was stunning stunning i know absolutely stunning huh? like that golden era of hollywood summed up like any image you have in your yeah right yeah now, yeah that's her so yeah that's yeah no that's that's really good i like that there we go. That is my 10th news this week. And we are back at it. Back at it again with the podcasting. <laughs> Doing it. Well, we are simultaneously in the same situation we were when we last recorded of just being in like limbo, basically not working, just like yeah. what's happening in the world. <laughs> and I think we needed to get back into the podcast because I think just almost have something to do. I feel like yeah. at the minute it's like Groundhog Day every day. And I know it is for most people, but it's kind of crazy. We just kept saying so long, like, oh, we're going to start the podcast again. We're going to start. And then we never did. And then the other day I was just like, right, we're doing it on Friday. <laughs> yeah. And then even on Friday yesterday, we were like, <laughs> we, we didn't do Let's it. Let's do tomorrow. <laughs> but, it's but we're fun. here. We've done it. We've done it. We're going to get back into it and um, hopefully keep up more and, and not promise any release dates because we do this every time. We're like, we'll put another one up next week. And then I know. I, we're going to try and be on it more, if only for the fact that both of us are sat with nothing to do. So <laughs> let's get back on it. <laughs> but yeah, have you been doing anything interesting in lockdown other than listening and watching everything we've discussed? Knitting, um, I guess? Crocheting? You I haven't crocheting. even been knitting that much like recently um i'm trying to knit a hat my brother and like the the ribbing at the bottom to make the brim Hmm. i want to make it so you fold it over but it's taking so long (laughs) it's taking so long to just do this this brim and you don't have my head to test on i kept having to try on helena's hat that she made in the last like lockdown see and 
I've got all this lovely wool to make a jumper, but the needles I need are currently being used by other projects, so. Lovely, yeah. I um, can't use my fluffy pink wool. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I've been up to, anything interesting. Oh, I do the, I do the news on Gadio now. I'll mention that. Oh, yeah. Tune in to Gadio from 7am till 10am every weekday morning. That is the one, yeah. Most weeks, anyway. I do, I do at least like a week of every month I do it. This, I'll be back on on the 8th of February. But yeah, I know it's fun. I like doing that. But it's, the first day I did it was hilarious. It was such a disaster. It was mm-hmm. like everything went wrong. Nothing was working. At 7am, they like cut to the news and nothing played. There was just silence for like yeah. a minute. And I was like, oh God, yeah. I want to die. It was so bad. But I've got the swing of it now. So yeah, Gadio is my, is my latest thing. But yeah, so we will be back again. We are back into it now. And oh, this is going to be God knows how long, but enjoy because it's been that long. Yeah. We have this bumper edition. Massive. I think we've been recording for nearly two hours now. Yeah, yeah. I need to go and walk the dogs. <laughs> I need to go and eat. It's uh, I need to eat as well, and I'm hungry. I had my breakfast with Drag Race first thing this morning, so I need to now go and eat something else. But yeah, okay. Well, we will see you guys next time. Farewell, fair listeners, <laughs> and uh, stay safe. What's the What's the phrase? <laughs> stay inside. Wash your hands. Save <laughs> uh, lives. Space. Space. Uh, no, what was it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's obviously not that memorable. What the hell? But no, yeah, stay safe out there, and we we'll hope you're not too bored if you're in lockdown and stuck in like us and on furlough yeah. or isolating like myself. And if you do have COVID and you're listening to this, I hope that it's treating you okay and that you're recovering well. Fingers but yeah, we'll speak to you next time. Lockdown and can go clubbing soon. <sighs> the dream. I just want to go to a gig. But yeah, well, let's, we want to be out so me and Helena can go and see Taylor Swift perform Folklore Live. And on that yes. note, we will leave it there. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.